podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. The sun is shining and it feels like the cricket season has started again after all the rain in May. Today's guest is Catherine Bryce, captain of the Scottish cricket team, who also captains the Lightning and is soon to be a Trent Rocket player in the 100. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you. And thank you to Mick Newell, um, a friend of mine who's the general manager at the Trent Rockets team, the men's team, for uh, getting you to come on the show. Now, you've just been just started playing cricket um, in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy and also internationally for Scotland against Ireland. How has your season been going so far? Yeah, it's been okay. Um, Probably a tough start. we got one win against Ireland, which was brilliant. Um, but I think everyone was just really excited to be back out playing international cricket because I think it had been something like 620 days or something since we last played our well, since we played our last international game. Um, so to kind of get out there, I think we've learned a lot um, in those four games. So, um, yeah, really exciting. And then obviously had uh, the first couple of games for Lightning um, this last weekend and probably... Managed to take the one on the Saturday a lot closer than expected, but probably quite disappointed to to not go over the line um, on Monday against uh, the the Diamonds. So challenging starts to the season, but kind of lots to to learn and take forward. So I suppose we forget internationally, like where, whereas England women did play some internationals in 2020, yeah, Scotland didn't manage to play any. Yeah, no, didn't manage to play any. I think it was just it was very difficult um, as an associate nation to kind of organise bubbles and everything that needs to be put into place COVID-wise to to get some international cricket. They tried a couple of times over the winter, um, but both had to be cancelled in the end. Um, so yeah, just delighted to kind of get back out there. And in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy, it's a group of eight teams, isn't it? Playing 50 overs. Yeah, there's so there's eight teams in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint uh, trophy kind of regionally um so the second year of it it's really exciting I think it was a brilliant start last year um but I think we only had six games in it last year and it was split into two groups so this is a kind of the first year where we we're playing everyone um in the first stage so I think it's great to kind of see all the teams and and get back out there so yeah that must be one of the benefits actually of, of if we can have a benefit of COVID is that competition started yeah, definitely. It was brilliant to to get some cricket because I think at the start of the summer it was, are we even going to get anything on and what, what will the competition actually look like? And I think there was thoughts of it possibly ending up having to be a T20 uh, competition. So to kind of be able to get out there um, at all, I think it was fantastic um, at the end of the season. And you said this year the Lightning have played two matches. What's been the results of the two matches? Uh, so we lost against Vipers by five wickets on Saturday and then lost to the Diamonds on Monday by six or seven runs. So almost made it, but <laughs> sad ending. And where do you play your home games? Um, so it's a bit of a mix. So last year we played our home games in, at Grace Road and Trent Bridge. Um, but I think they're, they're being used the last couple of days. So we played at Kibworth. Uh, the other day and I think we're going to play at Hazelgrave on Loughborough University campus um, at some point soon as well. 
Yeah, you must have great facilities at the university. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant to have kind of the indoor school there. And I think we're really lucky, pretty much one of the only teams that managed to train as a full squad throughout the whole winter um, as well. So to kind of have that support um, and the, the gym facilities as well at, at Loughborough is brilliant. And you've now yourself got a, an ECB professional contract as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's huge. And with five of the girls in a team having contracts, it's, it's, it's going to be an exciting summer. I think it's the first summer of playing where we've had a whole winter of, of being professionally contracted and hopefully um, over the next few years I'll kind of just keep on increasing um, the number of girls in the team that have got professional contracts so I think it's a big step and hopefully it'll kind of raise the standard of cricket over the next few years. Yeah it must help if you've, out, you've got the time to actually give time to practice to improve your games. Yeah I think that's been the challenge of, of a lot of really talented players over the last 10 years or so that kind of when you get out of university or education and whatever you do you unless you're in that England setup you need to find some sort of job to to be able to do and if if that's not as flexible alongside playing cricket that can kind of fall away a bit but now actually people have got the opportunity to to come out of education and and play cricket professionally and kind of see a pathway of of it being being a career as well which I think is really exciting. And fitness levels, it must help with as well. Yeah, definitely. I think having that time to really be able to focus on it, um, to to go to the gym um, at any time of the day, rather than you know a lot of girls probably getting up at six a.m. or going after work in, in the evening. Um, I think to be able to really dedicate all your time to it is is going to be a big help. Yeah, it's a big difference too. I spoke to Catherine Leng, who played for England in the nineteen nineties and the early two thousands, and she was combining playing for England and working for the Yorkshire Bank. Yeah, yeah, it must be t- tough trying to kind of almost train like a professional, but um, yeah, without the time to, to be able to do it properly. Um, so I think, yeah, it should be it should be brilliant. Well, we must talk about the 100, um, which starts on Wednesday the 21st of July, uh, the Oval Invincibles against the Manchester Originals. I think your sister will be playing in that first game, Touchwood. Yeah, um, <laughs> hopefully. How excited are you about playing in the 100? Yeah, really excited. I think there's been a lot of build-up and, and did some media stuff for it last summer. Um, and unfortunately, it kind of got cancelled um, last year. So I think we've been we've been waiting for it and, and, being re- and we're ready to kind of go. And, and yeah, it should be so exciting. There's kind of a big push from the ECB behind it to make it um, as accessible to as many people as possible and to try and get as many new people um kind of involved so uh hopefully there'll be there'll be big crowds in by the time it comes around and um there'll be a lot of support behind every team and I think it should just be like a great fun competition to kind of get going and it's a format that no one has has played before so it'll be I think it'll be really interesting to see kind of what tactics um people go for because I guess in T20 people are have played it for a long time now and kind of know the standard tactics of, of what makes them, um, what gets you to be successful. Um, but yeah, in the hundred, it'll be kind of figuring out what works best and a bit of trial and error probably. Yeah. Have you played any trial games yourself of a hundred balls? No, I've not played any yet. So <laughs> still need to figure out what all the rules are. <laughs> yeah. How do you fancy bowling this 10 ball over when you're asked to do that? I'm not sure. Um, five balls sounds quite nice, but I think 
10 balls I guess it's like bowling a few wides in and over but I don't know if you keep going and then bowl a couple of wides it could feel very long <laughs> oh it could be yes you bowl a few <laughs> wides and in in the Trent Rockets team you're going to be playing alongside England stars Catherine Brunt Nat Siver and uh, the leg spinner Sarah Glenn yeah definitely um I've played a bit with Sarah Glenn before and she's a great a brilliant kind of um, young athlete coming through. But I think to get the experience of, of Catherine Brunt and Nat Siver, um, they've just been outstanding for England for a number of years now. So, um, yeah, really excited to kind of learn as much from them as possible. And how exciting will it be playing at Trent Bridge and all the other test grounds as well? Yeah, it'll be brilliant. I think um, hopefully there'll be some big crowds in and it'll be a great atmosphere there. We've, we were lucky enough to play at Trent Bridge um, a couple of times last year for Lightning and I played a Super League game there a couple of years ago. So And you know that the, the fans are brilliant um, there. So just kind of, yeah, really excited to get out there and, and play at a, a brilliant ground. Well, hopefully the ticket sales are going going well. They're certainly priced to attract families to to attend the games and with BBC exposure it should be a, a big boost to women's cricket and cricket in general. Yeah I think so having even just um, recently having the men's test match um, on Channel 4 and kind of the, the access that it brings to so many different different people just to kind of flick through the channels and see cricket being played and hopefully see it being exciting and yeah I think the number of, of um, young young females and young girls kind of that see cricket and see what sort of stage that you can get to. Um, I think it'll, it'll make it seem really attractive. And you're going to be playing against the, the world's best women cricketers as well. Yeah, I think that's just great for, for everyone's cricket, really. And I think it just kind of pushes you to be better. Um, I think I definitely saw a step up in my game when I played in the Super League because you, you know you need to be that one one step better to kind of compete against the best in the world and I think it's it, yes yeah, it's, it's it got to really help um, kind of expand the game. Well thanks for that let's just go back to your beginnings in cricket how did you first get interested in the game? Um, I think I'd always um, kind of been around, exposed to it as a kid um, watching it on TV I remember watching um, the, the 2005 Ashes uh, test match at my, my grandparents' house um, and just kind of jumping around the floor and diving onto sofas, kind of doing all of that stuff. And Dad's always been throwing balls at us in the garden and we played lots of different sports. Um, but I think the first time that I played it, I was lucky enough that there was a girls' cricket team at the school that I was at, um, George Watson's in Edinburgh, um, that, yeah, could go along... Um, and I don't know really if, if there wasn't a girls cricket team whether I'd kind of gotten would get involved in cricket um, so I think that's kind of one of the, the big things that kind of got me involved Yeah I read that you played for the, the boys 11 the first girl to do so at uh, George, Watson, George Watson College Yeah I think I was really lucky they were um, really supportive school of, of me playing and um, I'd played in the girls first 11 kind of just after I kind of started and then um, when I went into secondary school they asked me rather than doing tennis whether I wanted to kind of go along and and play uh, play with the boys and and do cricket kind of in the summer term so just started playing with the boys and I think yeah um, they they were really welcoming and just saw it as quite normal that I played um, cricket so it was yeah it's brilliant to kind of set that stage for other girls to kind of have the opportunity to play with the boys as well. And your sister Sarah is it she two years younger than you 
Was she at school playing with you as well? Yeah, she was. So she'd, she'd obviously come and just watch the end of trainings and stuff like that. And I think that's how she kind of got involved, just was sat there a few times and joined in, started fielding with us and things like that. So, yeah, followed on and, and started cricket as well. Well, you first played for Scotland, Scottish women in the county championship at the age of 13. That must have been a bit daunting against, I think, Staffordshire in your first game in September 2011. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I don't know, I guess when you're that age, I think you almost, it was quite a last minute thing. Um, they had two, I think they were playing over two days or one game one day and, and one of the girls got injured on the first day. So um, just got a call kind of the night before and, and asked if I could come along and play. And um, I think almost that just thrown straight in there um, at the deep end is was probably a help not too much time to think about it and I think when you're younger as well you just kind of get on with it as well and you don't think into it too much and I think probably helped kind of having that those experiences um at a young age when it was in challenging environment to to kind of kind of set me off for later life you got two wickets in your first game so yeah yeah it wasn't too bad Yeah, don't think I scored any runs, but that's fine. And then the following year, you were you were captain in the under seventeen side for Scotland. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, started captaining the under seventeens. I think of age fourteen or something. Um, so again, probably something that was thrown into a bit at the deep end, and um, you just kind of have to learn as you're going along. But I think that's probably really helped me kind of develop my skills as a captain and um, at times it's probably more difficult when you're under 17s with seamers only being able to bowl a certain number of overs depending on their age and figuring all of that out um, at, at such a young age I think I just kind of took it in my stride and, and got on with it and yeah I really enjoyed doing that as well. So is captaincy something that you always wanted to do because you, you were captain of this under 17 side for four years? Yeah I guess probably because I was so young when when I started it never really crossed my mind too much of something like a goal that I wanted to aim for um but yeah just I think usually pretty chilled out and and calm which probably helps um as a captain on the pitch and by by that time your sister was also playing in the the under 17s team what's it like captaining your sister yeah um not too bad really I think she's pretty she's pretty used to it um I think because that's kind of what she'd had from from quite a young age it was it was quite normal for her but she's yeah quite often kind of come up and you know give a few few tips in the year but not to um to a few pointers but yeah I think she hopefully enjoys it <laughs> yeah you just to point out to listeners your your sister is a wicketkeeper and you're an opening bowler and, and you bat usually about number three don't you yeah, yeah, and she opens the batting as well. So it's probably good that she doesn't bowl um, and we do, do slightly different things. Um, it probably keeps, we're very competitive, but it probably keeps us a bit bit more sane. <laughs> and, in, and in one game together, you added 336. Yeah, one of the games for... Um, the under-17s, yeah. Yeah, um, against Lincolnshire, I think. Um, I think we maybe lost an early wicket um and then the two of us batted I think pretty much for the for the rest of the innings so yeah we've always enjoyed batting together um and had a great time so yeah that was yeah one one of my good memories yeah and moving forward Scotland played their inaugural T20 international in 2018 
obviously your debut, and you're also captain against Uganda in a T20 World Cup qualifier. Yeah, I think um, I'd been vice captain for a couple of years with um, for the for the Scotland team, um, and we'd played at qualifiers, global qualifiers, kind of a couple of years before that. Um, so I'd had an experience of um, of playing at qualifiers before, so I sort of knew what that was going to be like. And I think I was fortunate that Abby, who stepped down from being captain at the time, was still playing. Um, so to still have her kind of on the pitch and guiding guiding me along the way and kind of helping out, um, I think was a real benefit to just kind of know that that she was there for the support um, if needed. And this was that Scotland's first official T20 international at, at that level, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think all of the associate nations were awarded um, T20 international status in 2018. I think it was. So it's the first kind of official T20 international, which again was really exciting to be able to play in. Yeah. How proud were you to be captain in Scotland at international level? Yeah, it was an amazing honour, um, really. And I think... I just kind of take these things on often and and just kind of get on with it. But I think it's always quite good to kind of look back over it and actually see what a privilege it is to to be able to catch your captain your country and and do all those those great things. I think at the time you just kind of you just do it and and you play and obviously have a great time and enjoy the experience. But I think it's great to be able to look back on it and I think you realise yeah how much of an honour it is to be able to do that now. Yeah, it must be a. a- a bit different from playing in the back garden with his sister all those years ago than to leading the country. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Probably just as competitive. Um, and that probably set, set me up well for for the fight on the cricket pitch. Um, but yeah, probably no one she's wanted to, to get out more than me. <laughs> yeah, well, I know what it's like going back years ago playing in the garden with my brother. So, But um, you, you won the opening three games, but came third in the group and, and failed to qualify. And uh, you also came fifth in the next World Cup qualifying in Spain. Um, is reaching a World Cup T20 one of your own and Scotland's major goals in cricket? Yeah, that's definitely one of the, the biggest goals that we've got at the moment. Um, we've played in a, about three global qualifiers now in the, in the past five years or so um, and always kind of just ended up a bit short. Um, so probably a bit disappointed from that, but I think we've we've learned a lot from those competitions and kind of know more where we need to be at, and and it's the consistency of of those big games, and um, I think this series against Ireland is is a big step in the right direction of having those um, international tough international games to to kind of prepare and and get you ready for those competitions. Um, but it's definitely definitely a big aim of ours, um, and you just know that you need to. We need to be really consistent in the in those group stages and and get through the semi final. I think that's where we've lost out a couple of times in that semi final. So just being ready to and believing ourselves that we can beat an Ireland or a Bangladesh or uh, Thailand who qualified for the last the last World Cup as well. Um, yeah, and just backing ourselves to do that. So when's the next qualifying tournament and actually the next T Twenty World Cup? Because it got moved forward, didn't it? Um... Yeah. So the. European qualifiers are at the end of August um, so that'll be with Ireland the Netherlands France Turkey if we can see your fingers now you're counting them up so you're <laughs> you're, you're you're in a group situation again yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, the top team qualifiers 
um, for the global qualifiers. And then after all the the qualifiers have, like the regional qualifiers around the, the world have taken place, the next, um, the highest ranked team that hasn't qualified gets the last spot at the World Cup qualifiers. So um, that's obviously the, the first step. And hopefully uh, when we make it there, um, we'll be ready. I think that'll be kind of early 2022 um and where's the qualifying competition being played uh the one the european qualifiers are in scotland at the end of august ah so you've got home advantage you see so yeah hopefully (laughs) (laughs) well you've now played 18 t20 internationals um you've got 20 wickets and your batting average is uh 45 and you've scored scored the highest individual score for Scotland with 73 in a T20 international and your your sister is also one of the major stars in that team yeah um she's been brilliant I think over the over the last couple of years and really taken her game to the next level um and kind of really set a benchmark for for where you want want the batters to be and um showing that kind of up top you just kind of punish the punish the bowling as much as possible and and be proactive and hopefully kind of a few more players are, are getting the the experience to kind of take their their batting to the next level because I think at the associate level that's that's quite often um the thing that kind of lets you down is you've you bowl pretty well um but being able to score 120 to 140 is probably uh, the biggest challenge that you kind of need to get to 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 make it to the next level and talking of associate level, you were at the tender age of 24. You also received the award of the ICC Associate Women Women's Cricketer of the Decade in December 2010. Yeah, that was that was a bit of a shock, really. Um, didn't really know that that existed um, at all. But um, yeah, a real honour again to to kind of even be nominated in the first place um, for that award, and um, yeah, to be awarded it after it's kind of voted for around the world, I think, um, yeah, a real honour to, to have that. Well, a big boost for, for Scottish cricket as well, when one of their players is recognised in that way. Yeah, I think it was huge, really. So Sarah was nominated as well, and three of the men's team were were nominated for the, the men's category of it as well. And I think it just kind of shows uh, where how much cricket's grown in Scotland over um, the last number of years to kind of be able to to have that, that number of players kind of even being thought of for that. And yeah, hopefully it'll continue, continue to develop and um, we'll be at, be at the next level soon. Well, let's hope so. But away from cricket, you're at Loughborough University. How difficult is it or does it make it easier to be studying and, and playing cricket at the top level? I think Loughborough is a brilliant place to be for that. Um, they're so used to having um, high level athletes that they're they're kind of ready to help you um, if you've got if you're away for a tour kind of talking to the the academic staff and and organizing things to to get that all sorted so I think it's probably one of the best places and it's kind of prepared for um, athletes that are away for maybe a few months at a time um, competing and doing all those sorts of things and but also the cricket facilities here are brilliant and even before kind of the setup that was professional I think Loughborough University had a a pretty pretty much professional kind of training structure anyway so I was really lucky to to kind of have all the training and the access to the facilities here 
um, even before it was professional. So how was your studying affected by uh, COVID in 2020? Um, it was it was probably a bit of a challenge to start off with and everyone is a bit, a bit in shock and um, I think Loughborough managed to, to do it pretty well. It was obviously, a, it's a challenge kind of doing exams online and, and figuring all of that out. Um, but I think I was quite lucky that not too much was different um, about my studies. Obviously all the lectures this year have been online Um but I think kind of the flexibility you then have around around training it's it's not been affected too much I wouldn't say but I think for those for those people that, is, that should have had labs and and all those sorts of things I think it's been really challenging to to kind of find a way around that and actually things that they would have been maybe been a bit more successful at kind of doing practical things and um, have been really put on hold and um yeah I think it's been it's been a challenging year just even though we've been lucky enough to still do cricket, I think when that's then your only focus, um, you almost put more pressure on yourself because you're only going to do cricket for the day and that's kind of all you've got to to leave the house for. Um, but hopefully it's, it's on on going in the right direction at the moment um, and hopefully be back to more of a normal thing next year. And what subject are you studying? I just finished doing sports science, so I actually had my last hand in last Friday, so that's a big relief. Um, so yeah, kind of done that now, um, and hopefully, fingers crossed, passed. <laughs> oh, you're just waiting for results now, then? Yeah. <laughs> just waiting for the results now, but um, a few people have got exams, and then, then they're done for the summer. And I wanted to get the next uh, point in. You, you're very good musically as well. you you have reached grade eight playing the violin and the clarinet. And I um, I know my niece, who's, I'm going to get this wrong, how old she's, 18 or 19. Um, I had to ask her what grade eight was, because I know that she plays a musical instrument. And my niece, Amelia's reached level six for the flute. And she told me that grade eight is the top level. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I we, Sarah plays mu- a lot of music as well. And, um, we loved doing that at school. Um, always kind of had orchestra or choir um, and things like that, whether aside from sport as well, um, all the extracurricular stuff. So um, that's probably where um, it was great procrastination from from doing all my studying. Uh, but I had a, yeah, I had a great time kind of playing playing the violin and clarinet um, kind of all through school. And yeah, the school were brilliant. Um, had a great music school um that we were able to do that at and very supportive of, su- supportive of all the sport that we're doing as well and kind of balancing that together um so i think very lucky to to be able to be able to carry on having done both for so long i suppose as a, as a sportsman it's, it's good to have a balance and have other distractions um you know if you've had a bad day with the ball or you've got a low score that you've got those other distractions to uh, take your mind off the cricket a bit yeah, definitely. I think it's great to have um, have something a bit different, and also it's like a different group of people that you spend time with as well. And I think that um, other side to it has probably helped um, a lot of the cricket stuff that we did as well, and um, probably a lot of the skills we learned in terms of the performances and and kind of doing those and music exams and things like that together. Kind of probably taught us a lot of the skills of kind of preparation and, and everything like that um, that we've put into into practice with all the cricket recently. 
Right, well, finally, just returning to the 100, um, what are your own hopes and the hopes of the Trent Rockets for, for the competition? And, and you can't just say you want to get your sister out when you play against her. Um, Which you probably do. Yeah, <laughs> I want to get her out. I need to beat them as well. I don't know what, what the parents are going to be like watching that game. Um, maybe we'll take one each. Um, <laughs> unsure um I think for the for the Trent Rockets it's just it's the first kind of season of the competition so to kind of go out there and play exciting cricket is is one of the biggest things I think um, and then hopefully at the end of the day uh, be lifting the trophy well do your mum and dad they do support you and come and watch games yeah yeah they've pretty much been at every game um, and every competition that we've been at so um I think they find it difficult to to watch on the live stream and not be able to pace around the boundary um, and be nervous that way. So, uh, yeah, they're brilliant supporters of us both. Well, they're going to get a lot of travelling about during a five or six week period in the in the school holidays, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. They've racked up a lot of miles um, over the years, kind of travelling, <laughs> coming to watch us play cricket. Well, let's hope it captures the public's imagination. We get some good weather during that time. Um, it's going to be a major boost, I think, to uh, women's cricket and cricket in general. And the best of luck to you and, we must say, your sister as well. Um, I hope it's a tie win, the Manchester... Oh, the Oval, Oval Invincibles, the Oval. get it right. Yeah. 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 Invincibles, when they play against the Trent Rockets. Yeah. And <laughs> thank you very much for being on the Paddock and the Pavilion. Brilliant. Thanks very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. For those of you listening at the time of this release, the sun is not shining. This podcast was recorded on the 2nd of June, and since that date, the Loughborough Lightning have won their next two games in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy and currently lie fourth in the table. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and now on Instagram, at the Pad and Pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Podcast Network.